1: Happy, happy Monday, everybody. My name is Kat and welcome. I am the host of You Need Therapy. I hope you guys are all hanging in there as we're about to round out 2020. It's like the year that we never thought would end that also somehow for me has just kind of flown by. It's like, where, where did it go and what did we do? Although when I look back, I think I've done a lot, just different things than I thought I was going to do, I suppose, but I am especially excited because one thing I did in 2020 was I spent a year doing this podcast and this week is the year anniversary of You Need Therapy. Wednesday will be the exact date of our first episode, December 16th. Anyway, I want to celebrate. So, FYI, Wednesday, we're going to release another special episode of Couch Talks. This is going to be a QA, but it's going to be a little bit more personal. And um, I'm excited about that because I don't answer a lot of the personal questions that I get from you guys. I think it's about time. Now, I just have to say with that, how freaking grateful I am for everybody who's listening even if this is your first episode I wouldn't be doing this still if I didn't have a listener base and an audience and you guys are the best and I am so happy to see how so many people are so open to learning about themselves and their relationships and honestly how the world works and we aren't all out here just trying to ignore life and the difficult parts of it and the messy parts of it we're trying to move through it and go through it and face it and so I am grateful for you guys and I'm proud of you guys at the same time. Also, I have to say I'm going to say this all again, but super grateful for a lot of people, including Alex Booth, who created this music for the intro. You can find him at at Booth Tunes. I'm grateful for Amy, who found my podcast and decided that it was something that more people needed to see, and she gave me a bigger platform by inviting me to be on this awesome freaking platform of the network. And I'm grateful for everybody at iHeart. I don't know really any of them, but they're really helping me out a lot, and I'm grateful. For for the producer of this podcast, Houston, thank you for really, I mean, some of the episodes are quite a mess before you guys hear them. So thank you for you and what you do. And all my friends, I mean, I'm going to stop because I'm going to do this again on Wednesday. So I'm just really excited. We've made it to a year. And um, that's something worth talking about, I think. Now onto the actual real juicy content of this episode. We have more Enneagram. Like praise hands everywhere because I know you guys are loving this stuff. Now that we have the basic understanding of the Enneagram, what it is, why we like it, what each type can look like, now it's time to go a little bit deeper. So thank you, Katie, for giving us the overview. And now I have one of the experts of all experts here today. His name is Ian Morgan-Claude he may sound very familiar to you because he not only is the author of The Road Back to You, which is a book that I recommend anybody to read. It is my one of my favorite, if not my favorite Enneagram books. He also has a podcast called Typology, and it is all things Enneagram. I highly recommend that as well. He is like the person I think of when I think of the Enneagram. I've been to a couple of his workshops, and I know... Just look up to him when it comes to Enneagram knowledge. So, today I have Ian on to talk about what happens and how each number and type can respond and will respond to a crisis. Specifically, we are talking about the crisis we are in today. Hello, 2020. And uh, throughout this episode, you will hear how much my sevenness can really come out as you'll notice my mind having like a million thoughts and questions the entire time. I'm like bouncing off the walls almost. But I love this conversation because I love when I get to be the student in these and I love teaching people and I love talking about things that I'm really, really knowledgeable and confident in. But this is where I just get to learn and I'm learning with you. And I think you guys are going to love learning what comes out in this conversation. So without any more waiting, I want to invite you to listen to and be in and be with my conversation with Ian. Here it is. Okay. Well, I have Ian Morgan Cron here, an Enneagram expert. Some might call him the expert who he wrote The Road Back to You, which is the book that I got started with the Enneagram on. Then I made everybody else in my family get started on the Enneagram on. We're gonna talk about all things Enneagram, specifically crisis, but before we get started, welcome.
2: Thank you, I'm glad to be here.
1: So you have a program coming out. So before we get into all the meat of everything, can you tell us a little bit about that? We have now a background of what the Enneagram is in our heads, thanks to Katie from last week. So people I think are really interested in diving deeper into all of that stuff. And I think this program might help them do that. So can you tell us what it is?
2: Yeah, I sure can. So uh, True You is sort of a deeper dive into the Enneagram for each of the the nine types. And uh, what's cool about it is, is I do 90 minutes on each type. So, you know, if you've already heard about all nine numbers, you've had a general overview. This is a chance for you to, in an a la carte way, you can say, well, I'm a four. And so I'm just going to buy the four module. Or I'm married, I'm a four and I'm married to a seven. And so I'm gonna get the four and seven module uh, and watch those together. Or you can buy all nine, right? Interestingly, most people buy all nine. So, you know, I think that it's uh, a really good opportunity for people to dive deeper into the Enneagram. True you, if you went to my website, which is IanMorganCron, I-A-N-M-O-R-G-A-N-C-R-O-N.com, and sign up uh, with uh, your email. You'll get a, you know an email with a code and all that stuff for the course. It's really great. People have been really excited about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: and what I think, too, is well, I would want to buy – I would definitely want to have my wing, too, to look at that. But I have mistyping anxiety so, <laughs> what is your type so I believe I'm a seven and I have obviously been proclaiming that I'm a seven because I like being a seven but I have fear that I, I thought I was a six for a really long time and my mom when she read the road back to you I asked her I was like what do you think I am after reading that she was like oh you're a four I was like no I've never even thought that but now I, you have me questioning and now I, four? I don't think I'm a four so I think that I'm a seven we're gonna go with that today Okay. I'm hoping also to learn because I always find it interesting learning about the different types and then learning about wings and how to me, sometimes the wings are to me the opposite. Like my wing can be the opposite of my actual number. And when I learn about like an eight who has a nine wing, I'm always very interested in that. And it kind of like, I wonder, like, what do you think allows people to have such a strong, if you're an eight, such a strong, I can make decisions. I can do all this stuff. But then I like, I'm go with the flow. You know what I mean? That always drives me wild. It's hard for me to understand it.
2: Sure. So maybe just by way of uh, just quickly, just talk about what wings are yeah. and then I'll answer your question yeah. more specifically. So you have a basic core type and in your your case, it's a seven, yeah. right? The enthusiast. And you have numbers on both sides of yours. So you could have a eight wing mm-hmm. or you could have a six wing. Mm-hmm. One of the mistakes people make, and I hear it all the time is, oh, I'm a four with a nine wing. Yes. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, that's good. I tell them that's the scramblegram, yeah. not the enneagram. Your wing, can only be one of the two numbers on either side of yours, yeah. right? That's why we call them wings. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're describing is a, an issue that lots of people have, including myself. You can have what we call a heavy wing. Mm-hmm. You can have a moderate wing, or you can have a light wing. Mm-hmm. If you have a heavy wing, it, it simply means that if you're a seven, let's say you have a six wing, that the influence of the six on your core type is powerful. It's very, very strong. It may be so strong that you are ambivalent about whether or not I'm a seven or I'm a six because mm-hmm. the, the six is so strong. You might have a moderate, right? Or you may have a wing that's so light, you can barely see any of its characteristic traits playing out in your core type. Mm-hmm. And also something else I try to remind people of is that you really have two wings. It's just that one is dominant, yeah. right? I like to say that, you know, a, a bird with one wing just flies in circles. You have yeah. both wings. Yeah,
1: I didn't ever think about that.
2: Yeah. And you have a choice, I think, you know, like, I'm a four. I have a very strong three wing. For a long time, I thought I might be a three, except I did not identify with its unconscious motivation. Mm -hmm. I really identified with the four's unconscious motivation. But when I'm writing a book and I'm doing a lot of research and I'm hunkered down alone, you know i really just say okay i got to lean into my five wing yeah where a lot of those gifts can be found i think when you start to work with the enneagram consciously mm-hmm. like with real conscious intent you can make those kinds of decisions and they really they pay off it works mm-hmm. Right. Like you say, I do have this other wing that I can draw, you know, energy and insight from and practices from. So I hope that that answers your question. Yeah.
1: And that is helpful, too, because I'm afraid of a lot of things. But but my fear and like having the wrong number, that to me just sounds like a six. (laughs)
2: Yes. In fact, sixes is, is, uh, are the people who have the hardest time deciding determining their number. Yeah, when I do workshops, sixes will always wait to the end of the day. They want to hear mm-hmm. every single number before they make any decision. Mm-hmm. It's like they're afraid that, oh, my gosh, I hope I don't want to make the wrong decision. I want to hear all mm-hmm. nine numbers. And then I want to go around and ask other people what number they think I am. <laughs> right. You know? Uh,
1: and, and then call you know,
2: my friends. Really, <laughs> yeah, because I don't trust my inner compass yeah. to help me make that decision. And I'm, I'm anxious about making yeah. a decision without getting some kind of validation from another source or maybe yeah. and hopefully an authority on the topic, which I perceive everyone else is more of an authority than I right. am. Yeah, that's that's those beautiful six.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let's get into kind of the meat of this and talk about I mean, we're at the end of 2020, which oh, I know and going into 2021, I just feel like it's going to be like a combination of the same year. But there's been a lot of chaos and we've somehow found our way in crisis for a whole year. So Mm -hmm. I want to hear and learn about like the types and how some people are living their best lives right now and killing it. And this is like their dream year in some scenarios and how some people, I mean, I'm a therapist and I see all kinds of people. Some people are, I kind of like the pandemic. I really like quarantine and some people feel like they're going to lose it at any second.
2: Boy, is that ever true?
1: Right. And so I want to talk about like the differences and how some types thrive and how some don't and then how we can grow in all of that.
2: Sure. We can, we can do that. It was, you were just saying that I was thinking to myself, I think everybody is living their best lives possible to the extent that they can. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just think, I just think everybody is struggling. I, I feel like our culture has sort of collective trauma Yeah, and it, it certainly is showing up in, in lots of people's behaviors, right? It hasn't been awesome for, for people. So anyway, I, I have a lot of empathy for people Mm -hmm. that are, are struggling right now. I certainly have, Mm -hmm. I think for a long time I was doing great. And then it's like, yeah, mm, I'm starting not to do great, you know? So anyway,
1: I identify as a seven, like we have said, and Even I didn't hate it in the beginning. It wasn't the worst thing ever. I think now at the end of it, I'm exhausted and I'm just like wanna go on a vacation and like shoot off fireworks or something. But in the beginning, it it was really easy for me to find ways to like make the most of it. Now I'm just exhausted. So I think, uh, I mean, even in the typical sense of what certain types, we're all at the end of this year. Like, So I think that is such a good point to say we're living our best lives to the best we can.
2: Absolutely. And some numbers have better equipment than others yeah. to do that. Like sevens, you know, this is where the gift of reframing comes in really handy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. for a seven who's generally enthusiastic, very sunny, sees the silver lining in everything, there is a point at which, you know, just exhaustion sets in and then and, and some of those characteristic features uh, start to wane. A little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, or you go to your, your number in stress, which for you would be on a low, the unhealthy one, Mm -hmm. you'd start to look like an unhealthy one, you become more moralistic, you would start cleaning your sock drawers and, you know, sort of Making sure all the colors are aligned. You know what I mean. Yeah. I, you know, my son's a seven, and I, I, I can always spot when he's in a bad zone because mm-hmm. he, he becomes critical. He can become judgmental. He can take the moral high ground. He starts to be clean. And when my son starts, my seven starts to be clean, I know something's yeah. up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's not
1: the natural you know? part of me. Yeah.
2: No, because he's normally a yard sale. You know, there's just always a million things in his wake. You know, uh-huh. uh, so
1: that is everywhere I go. That is what my life looks like. But yeah, I. I think that in the in the beginning for me it was I'm not going to get really down about this. This is going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We're all going to be okay. It's going to last 2 weeks. I really believe that. <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> and like, even with telehealth therapy, I was like, yo, it's not that bad. Like there's all, look at all these resources we, we can use. And at least we get to still do therapy. Six months later, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I just want to like see a client in the flesh. So I, I wonder, from your perspective, what numbers or what types had the hardest time in the beginning? Would you have imagined?
2: Well, sixes would have had the hardest time. Yeah. Remember, the unconscious motivation of a six is a need to feel safe and, to, and secure. Yeah. And sixes, one of the hallmark features of them is they uh, are worst case scenario thinkers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're always thinking, uh, what could go wrong? how do I prepare for the worst? So sixes are in the fear triad along with fives and sevens. So think of it this way. Sixes, when they're not doing great, tend to be real pessimists. Sevens deal with fear with optimism. So it's really, it's they're just two different ways of managing the same anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, sevens will ignore what the worst could happen, you know, what the worst yeah. thing on the horizon. Whereas, you know, sixes are overly attuned to what could go wrong. And, you know, so they're both distortions.
1: Yeah, and I, I wonder though, when- when it comes to crisis, because what I know about a six is they're very prepared too. So are they mm-hmm. in some ways thriving in this year? Or would it be right. like, would we not that's too far to go? Well,
2: the question they would ask is, am I prepared enough? Oh,
1: <laughs> That's
2: a great point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, so I've got, you know, a year's worth of groceries in the basement, but I don't have a bunker.
1: <laughs> oh my
2: God. Yes. <laughs> you know, Yeah. I'm overstating it, but that's, you know, for the sake of illustration and humor, but that's a little bit of what a six would begin to question their preparedness. Mm -hmm. They they are are always self-questioning.
1: Well, who is, because I have, I know so many people who are like, you need to go get groceries and you need to get rice and you need to get beans and you need to get a lot of it because you won't be able to go to the grocery store for a month probably. And I was like, what? I don't don't think I went grocery shopping, but a six is the one getting all of that stuff, I guess.
2: Yeah, and you're not getting enough. (laughs) I mean, sometimes a seven and six couple or business partners, things like that, if they're both pretty self-aware, where they're awesome together. Yeah. I do a ton of corporate work and I worked with a company where the seven was a CEO and the six was the CFO and the seven would be I got this big idea and the six is like we got to wait because otherwise we won't make payroll if you spend all that money on a great idea yeah. and so they've just always balanced each other out in a great way yeah. you know they tempered each other.
1: I think when I went grocery shopping for the pandemic I bought like fun food like <laughs> I was going to say
2: <laughs> you, you went out you bought you bought 40 pounds of Reese's Cups you know it's like
1: yes, I literally four bags oh, of Reese's fun. in my drawer next to my desk so that's what I got see
2: I'm psychic I'm psychic <laughs> oh that's amazing you told yourself it was for your clients uh even though they were on you know on zoom you're like uh-uh, I gotta get those for my clients
1: <laughs> no I literally bought them to put in the waiting room I like to buy the holiday Reese's because they're better and this is also what I did and I don't know if this is just me but they were three for ten dollars I just needed one bag which was like three dollars but I was like this is such a deal <laughs> So then I have like six bags because I, like, I should get six of them. and now I have some clients in the office, but yeah, I, they're mostly being eaten by me. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Okay, so what what do you think about? I mean, with you a four, how has this affected you? Like four, what did fours do in the quarantine crisis time?
2: So I'm one of those numbers who tends easily to withdraw, okay? And I'm, I'm very comfortable being alone. Mm. You know, I'm what we might call an ambivert. I'm I'm somewhere between an Mm -hmm. introvert and and an extrovert, but I love silence. So it's, it's not an issue for me, Mm. but I love people. I can only take people in reasonable doses. You know, I I can be with people all day. Like when I do workshops, you know, they're eight hours. Yeah. And so I, I may go from nine to five. You know, I'm not a two. I used to work with a two. And and he would be able to go out all night long after the workshop he just loved the interpersonal mm-hmm. side of everything. He just wanted to be with people all the time. Mm-hmm. He got energy from it. And the five o'clock hit and the client might say, Hey, why don't you come out for drinks with us or dinner? And I'd be like, you know, I gotta be with you tomorrow and the best thing i can do for you right now is go back to my room and be quiet. Oh. And that's my way of being loving toward them.
1: Yeah, but i would be offended. Oh, i'm so sorry.
2: You wouldn't be because i put it in a way that okay. really makes sense. Okay. Okay. And by the way, that's one of the gifts of the enneagram yeah. is it would teach you that a 4, some fours and particularly fives, it's not personal. Yeah. It's just i need to recharge. Yeah, i just don't have that kind of relational steam. Mm-hmm. It's not that i don't like you. I love you, but Hey, listen, I have to do this with my
1: kids. Yeah.
2: You know, when they're in my home for a week, I'm like, okay, I got to spend an hour. They know that dad has to go to his room Mm -hmm. for an hour or two to read and be quiet. And it's not personal. So he can come back out late afternoon when we go play top golf or something Mm -hmm. and I'll be recharged and ready to go. Yeah.
1: I think that's interesting just because for somebody who wants to go all the time, which I also find myself as an an extroverted introvert. Like I like my alone time too, but I find myself in spaces where I'm like, well, why wouldn't they want to do that? We've had such a great day. Why wouldn't they want to celebrate the day with me at the end of the day? But I think the key to that is you said, I would put it in a way that was loving and you would hear what I was saying. Yeah. So you have enjoyed this time to recharge the whole year? Well, I actually just got over COVID. Oh, no. Yeah,
2: I, I got it on a trip I had to take mm. to Utah and I uh, had no choice. So my wife and I both got it, and we're, you know, pretty darn sick. Yeah. So, you know, I was sort of for about a month out of yeah. commission. Glad to say we're fully back. Yeah. And and actually I can go out and be a little less anxious about catching because it. You you know? got it. Um, Yeah, because I have some natural immunities now. That said, you know, as a four, I I wouldn't say I've enjoyed it because, you know, so many people have suffered, but I am by nature a a person who's okay with silence and self-reflection, I, I don't yeah. run away from the voices in my head. I, I'm okay when I have not great feelings. And part of that is just the product of my having done a lot of personal work on myself. And, you know, I go to therapy every week. I, I'm very attentive to my inner world, like most fours would be. Yeah. And uh, so that's been very helpful.
1: What would you suggest to, because my experience four is fours love therapy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have many four clients. I'm therapist. I love therapists them. love that. I love them, yes. I love yeah. them because yeah. that is one. I know they're going to come and they're going to talk. And if I push them, they'll go I'll I'll ask them to talk to a scarf. They'll talk to a scarf and they'll start crying to the scarf, like super easy to do a lot of really, really important and helpful experiential work with. So I love them and they love therapy. And I would wonder what you would suggest, how they can take the qualities of their feelings to the best of their ability through this. Because what I've seen in my experience with some of these people is it is at this point, and it depends on where their feelings, what they're going towards. But some of them are, it's like almost become too much now because they've been so feely for so many months continuously about basically the same essence of what's going on. And it's almost exhausting now and a trait that they usually lean into it's like i'm over it does that that make sense what i'm even saying
2: yeah i mean i think the therapeutic approach to that sort of thing isn't much different than it would be at other times which is first of all trying to help the four understand that their identity is not rooted in their feelings yeah you know twos threes and fours uh, all three of those numbers wrestle with identity they have unstable you know kind of identities. And that's why they're always trying on new Mm -hmm. personalities or Mm -hmm. taking on new uh, masks, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's a lot of fear that if I don't have a mask, there's nobody behind it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't have a sense that I have an identity behind the projection that I'm Putting out there into the world. So for fours, they over identify with feelings. We oftentimes say about fours that they don't have feelings, they are their feelings. And so helping a four understand that who they are is different than their feelings, that they are not feelings, they're a person having feelings. And I I like to tell them, I use the illustration, you are the mountain, not the weather. And Mm -hmm. what that means is they're solid, they're grounded. They're not the weather pattern. That's your feelings.
1: That is good. That is really good.
2: Yeah, I borrowed it from the Buddhists. Thank you, (laughs) Buddhists. So the weather comes in, maybe today it's sadness. Maybe it's joy. Three hours later, Mm -hmm. guess what? You get a phone call, bad news. Oh, sad. Two hours later, someone calls and offers you a job. Doing great, you know what I mean? It's like, but don't get hooked to the feeling be the mountain, yeah. not the weather. Yeah, and and I, another mantra I, I use with uh, fours is um, no emotion is final.
1: Oh yes, yes, no yes, emotion yes. is final. That's important. And to hear.
2: Uh, so they have to work on critical thinking, so that they're not always locked into their feelings as a source of information or as a way of processing the world.
1: Yeah, you know that made me think of when you were talking about one, that's really helpful. And two, when you're talking about the two threes and fours all having that mask, makes me wonder a three who is very mask is their achievement and their job and their success. Well, a lot of people don't have that this year whether they lost their job or things haven't been going the way they were projected to, or they can't do their job because COVID restrictions don't allow it. What would you offer some of those people or how can, what would you say to them? Because I just imagine that being really tough.
2: It is tough for a three uh, in particular, though threes are, you know, are incredibly adaptable people. So for them to make the transition to Zoom may be frustrating Right. And being in a home where there are distractions like children or people around because they don't like to be interrupted when they're working. Mm -hmm. They will not be happy if the kids are constantly running through and, uh, you know, the partner or spouse is, you know, making demands on them. That's going to be difficult for them. But you know, I oftentimes will tell any number, look, these challenges are opportunities for you to grow. Mm-hmm. As long as you're self-aware and realize, look, this is a growing edge for me. I have to learn uh, as a three to be uh, more present, recognize that other people's feelings uh, are important, right? Mm-hmm. To be adaptable in the moment, uh, not to go you know, under stress into doing more working than usual, yeah, from now you're just doing it from home, mm-hmm. but you're really doubling down. Yeah. So I think for each type, if, if they think about it, they can tell themselves, you know, this is going to be hard. But this yeah. is also going to be an opportunity to grow. In, I'm forced to either grow or go here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like and choose to grow.
1: Yeah, that is important to hear. And even to repeat, you have a choice to grow or go. And I lean so towards that because I think of my, my optimism. It's like, well, I don't I have two choices. I'm going to mm-hmm. choose the glass half full. That's easy for right. me to hear. But I think it's important for everybody in this time to adapt, because we can't control a lot of what's happening. And we can yep. control what we do with what we have. And so I think that yep. is grow. That's a great little statement you have. I also was, as you were saying that, of course, my mind is just bouncing. So bear with me in this. But I'm thinking about somebody like a nine, I would imagine they would be thriving.
2: You know what, it all depends on the level of integration they have.
1: Okay. If they're healthy nines,
2: any type that's self-aware, familiar with their patterns, able to step back and observe in the moment what's happening and and then self-regulating in some way. Well, they can do fantastically, right? right? I mean, there's going to be some challenges. Some numbers will probably have an easier time than Mm -hmm. others. But to the degree that they're healthy, the healthier you are, the more resilient you will be. Yeah. And you know, resilience is like such an important thing in the in the in life. You, need you it. know, and oh, <laughs> you need it big time. And part of it's hardwired. Yeah. Some people are just more naturally resilient than other people for whatever reason, right? But evidence based research tells us that everyone can learn mm-hmm. resilience. It's harder than being hardwired with it, but you can learn it. Mm-hmm. I would say that any type can thrive Anytime. in this moment, but Only to the degree that they're self-aware and they're doing their work with their type.
1: Well, and we've talked about on the podcast before, just talking about trauma in general and how we build resilience by moving through threat. So if we've never had to really turn on that system in our bodies, well, it's never going to learn how to work. And so I think a lot of people have are afraid of going through trials and but we need to go through that kinds of stuff. And again, I say that with a veil of I try to view everything in the best way I can but that's just a fact of how we move through our lives is to become resilient people a greater degree than we might be born some people might be born with a little bit more you have to move through tough spaces and prove to yourself yes. prove to yourself that you can do something prove to yourself that yeah this won't kill us and it, it even makes me think about my nine friends who struggle with making just decisions in general or speaking up for themselves they don't really realize that it's not going to kill them and people will still love them until they do it. And then they let us love them.
2: Exactly. I mean, the gift of the nine is they just radiate uh, peace. Yeah. They radiate that old uh, Julian and Norwich uh, quote, all shall be well, all shall be well, all manner of things shall be well. Mm-hmm. Now, when they're really struggling, they're distractible. Mm-hmm. If they're working from home, it's really hard for nines yeah. if they're not very self-aware because they need structure. Mm-hmm. They like routine. They don't like routine upset. They like the status quo. Mm-hmm. So that just are some of the challenges they'd have, you know, in, in the midst of it. And honestly, nines have less stamina on the whole than any other number on the Enneagram. And that's that's not a bad thing, yeah. right? I, I think productivity is overrated, <laughs> frankly. Um, I mean, I know that sounds funny. It's actually probably yeah. a good quote. I, I need to be careful, but productivity yeah. is wor- is worshipped in our culture in a way that I think is very unhealthy.
1: Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. And I want I want to hear more of your thoughts on that. I even talked about this a while ago because in the beginning of quarantine, it was all you saw on Instagram was how to be the most productive. How do you set your workspace up the best? How do you do this? How do you do that? I even talked about it on somebody else's podcast and gave feedback. And then a couple of months later, I'm like, what if we don't need to be productive this year? What if, the, yeah, well, <laughs> what if the best we can do is wake up and like actually put on pants instead of our pajamas? Like what if, or maybe we need to be wearing our pajamas all day. I put it in the terms as we're trying to like eat, pray, love, and make the most of this year and through it when really maybe that's not what we need. So I want to hear what you mean by like, you think productivity is overrated in what ways.
2: First of all, as you know, there're just constant ads and conversations around, you got to buy this journal or this new system for getting more done, more quickly, more efficiently. Here's the latest app for your to-do list. You, you know, it's just one thing after another, you know. Five the five ways to, you know, to get more done so you have more margin. It's like actually most people do these productivity, you know, exercises or read those books Mm -hmm. or use those tools. You know, the goal of productivity is how can I get things done more efficiently so I have more time not to be focused on productivity? (laughs) Yes. But the problem is, is that those people just continue to work harder. They fill their time with working, just being more, quote unquote, productive. productive. And, And frankly, I mean, I could talk a long time on this because you know, there's a lot of research about you know, how much time you spend working in productivity and diminishing returns after a certain amount of time, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera. But there's a, there's a great quote by a woman named Evelyn Underhill, and she says, you know, we spend most of our lives conjugating the verbs to have, to want, and to do when the fundamental verb in the human life is to be. And I think we need to actually get some journals and tools that teach us just how to be set. You know, that's why one of the best things that every type can do every type. And I so strongly urge this is to develop a daily mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. I just think mindfulness meditation is, is for again, evidence-based research, right? Mm -hmm. It's just so clear that for us to learn how to live in the present moment, to be connected and grounded in ourselves to learn how to sit and see our value just because we're actually in the moment, non-productive quote unquote, we have no, we're not, there's no goal oriented activity in meditation. None. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and and that's why when someone tells me, I've had people tell me, how do I do this better and faster? It's like, no, that's not, this does not apply to meditation. You know, how do I improve? How do I improve? You don't, you get an A plus for showing up. That's
1: all. Well, I was going to say, The biggest thing I I hear when I encourage people to find some mindfulness in their day, I don't even care if it's 30 seconds, do it for 30 seconds, we can find more time as we go. It's well, I'm not very good at that. I'm not good at being mindful. I'm like, okay. Well, of course you're not. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's new. Right. Oh, my. Which brings a whole nother thing in adulthood. I think right. a lot of us won't do things that are we haven't been doing our whole lives because in adults, right. we're expected to be good from the beginning. When we start, we have to be good. Right. As a kid, you can put a kid on a soccer field and they can be horrible and we love it and we think it's cute. But. Putting them on the soccer field when they're bad is what allows them to grow and become good. What do you think that is? And I wonder what types have the hardest time starting new stuff like that?
2: Ones can have a lifetime struggle with it because um, ones want to do things perfectly from the outset. They they could become anxious and worried. Well, if I can't do it perfectly from the outset, I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to put it off because I just ah, I'm worried. I'm worried that I won't do it right quote unquote. And again, you see how that could help a one. It's like, yeah, that's why it's called a practice, a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. I just tell them it's perfect if you show up. Yeah, That's all you have to do is show up. Another struggle for ones in meditation sometimes is the inner critic can really go off the rails. Yeah. When you really silence the mind, quiet the mind what you'll start to hear are those voices criticizing you should be doing this better you ought to be doing this better you must do that better Uh, your posture isn't right you're not breathing correctly Mm -hmm. Uh, you know gosh why can't I get this right why why can't I go 30 minutes you know why do I feel terrible sitting on this cushion, etc.? Mm-hmm. You know, a two might say, you know, this is hard for me because I'm such an interpersonal person. I love to be with people. You know, the twos have to do work on themselves in solitude. It's a really important thing for them mm-hmm. because if they're always around people doing the work, they'll start helping other people to do the work and not do it themselves. Yeah. So, I could go through all those numbers and say why each of them would struggle with a mindfulness practice, which is to say, starting a mindfulness practice is hard for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's for different reasons. There are certain numbers that do better. I think fours do better. Mm -hmm. I think fives do better. I think nines do better with it. Sevens have a hard time because you have tigger brain. (laughs) It's just oh, bouncing you've all over the have seen that today, place. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it. you know, I, I know when I'm, if I'm being interviewed by a seven, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I know if I'm with a five, I know what's going to happen, right? Sixes, you know, sixes get antsy. They're anxious types. Eights are like, I just want to, you know, this is a waste of time. I'm driving, there's such, so much forward momentum yeah. all the time. So anyhow, yeah, it's,
1: it's a practice. Yeah. That's all I can say. When I think going even back to the beginning of what brought that up was the hardest thing that we have as a culture is to just sit and to be. We're always trying to do and make and create. I think that can show up no matter what your type is, just as our culture looks that way. And so I almost think of this year as like a big reset for us all to look at Well, what is important. If our to-do list that we had, I made last year, because I write a letter every year to myself, the end of the year, I had so many things on this list that I was going to do this year some interpersonal, some just like relational with one person, some career wise. If I pulled up that list, I would like, I don't know, that would be embarrassed. I think it would just be funny. I don't think any of them happened. Right. Maybe one of them happened. I'm not sure. But if we cannot do all of these things on our to-do list and we're forced to look at this year, I think we've just been forced to look at what is important and that's to like be show up and be present as a human with the people that we can be present with. I also wonder With the mindfulness, do you think it's the same thing as every type struggles in their own way being mindful as every type struggles in their own way showing up as just like themselves without offering something, whether it's my funness, my productivity, my job, my agreeableness, my assertiveness? Does everybody struggle to just show up human as themselves without their stuff? Do you see that? Absolutely.
2: And it's a lifelong journey toward showing up as your true self. Yeah. I think that, you know, certain numbers do better at it than others by nature uh nines do a great job of just showing up as themselves they're they're what you see is what you get people and they're okay just showing up in jeans and and you know being themselves Mm -hmm. uh and that's a lovely gift they have a they have a lot to, to teach us you know so you know, I think it's a, a lifelong journey toward authenticity uh, I think threes have the hardest time with it yeah but nines are fantastic yeah but we all have sets of adaptive stratagems and coping mechanisms and uh, defense systems that obscure our true self yeah they, they obscure it and so you know part of the beauty of the Enneagram is, is it tells you what those things are and gives you a growth path to say, okay, here's how I can begin to mitigate the influence of those mm-hmm. strategies that I picked up as a little person and dragged with me into adulthood mm-hmm. where they don't really serve you know, me anymore. Yeah. How can I begin to sort of shed those veils?
1: Yeah. Hey, guys, Kat here, and I have something next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code need at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you You Need Therapy after you check out.
0: During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. Your credit card should match your lifestyle.
1: At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards
0: have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
2: I recently was in, did a psychodrama. I was a, in a group therapy thing. And the therapist did this wonderful thing. I'm sure you do it. But it's a little bit of trauma work where she just, I know this sounds so psychotherapist, but
1: <laughs> we a, love that
2: a, like a stuffed teddy bear on a chair, yes. <laughs> right? Stuff, <laughs> stuffed teddy bear on a chair. And, and as a
1: four, you're you loving this. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm
2: crying when she's introducing the concept. Yeah. And she said, okay, so what I want you to do, Ian, is I want you to come up here. And there's nine other people in the group. And uh, I want you to tell me about some trauma in your life. Things that were watershed moments that were painful, that really changed you as a person. And every time I told one of these things, she put this very uh, gauzy scarf over the bear. Mm-hmm. And the more scarves you put on, the more difficult it was to see the bear. Mm -hmm. And by the time you got 10 scarves, you couldn't see the bear at all. It was completely gone. Mm -hmm. Right. And that speaks to the things that grow up. When we grow up, things happen to us that Mm -hmm. hide. We begin to create defense systems that hide our true self. Yeah. And so that's what the scarves represented. And then at the end of it, she said, okay, I want you to take each scarf off and give it back to the person or the situation that gave it to you. And then you start peeling mm-hmm. them off. And then at the end, here's this true self sitting on the chair. It was very powerful. Yeah. And I'm going to use it in workshops. going no, forward. Of,
1: Yes. <laughs> I have a bag of scarves in my office and we do, I do stuff similar to that often, but if you don't mind, can I ask you a question about that, that exercise? Sure. How did you leave feeling differently after experiencing that exercise?
2: Well, I think there's something powerful about doing it in the group versus one-on-one in therapy. To have a group of people,
1: uh, and I actually didn't know these people very well.
2: Mm. We had built very quick rapport because of the nature of what we were doing. And to have people bear witness to your pain and to the things that have come between you and your true self uh, was very powerful. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a very powerful group exercise. I don't know if I left feeling free of all that pain or anything like yeah. that. I, I always see these things as links in a long chain. Yeah. It's not like, oh, instant <laughs> healing, you know. It's like, nope, yeah. one more step. Yeah. One more step. So I don't go outside and think, Where where are all the really good feelings right now? It's like <laughs> they're there they're going to come you know it's a journey it's not and by the way it's a journey that doesn't have a destination you're never going to find you're never going to get there in this life yeah you're just going to get better
1: yeah and thank you for saying that because I think often we go into things like that and whether it's I'm going to go to a workshop or I'm going to go to residential treatment or I'm just going to start therapy and we think that after like 30 days three days I don't know that everything's going to be different and easy and we're going to have no more problems that's never it it is a beginning of something that lasts forever. I will forever Mm -hmm. be in some kind of therapy, whether I'm going every week or I'm going once a month or I'm going to workshops. I'm always on a quest to find the deeper, truer version of who I am because we're always experiencing life so just like you put those scars on that bear well your life isn't over so you're still having experiences that might throw a new scarf on that bear and by experiencing that exercise and having the awareness and having the setup of help you might have you're better equipped to be able to see when a scarf is being thrown towards you and whether you're grabbing it and yes. holding it tight across your head or you're like ah, I'm gonna give the scarf back to this person
2: I would say that let's say you're a- you know, someone who has, because of some experience growing up, developed a lot of codependent traits mm-hmm. and you do this exercise and you do this work. It may be that you don't, you know, you're not going to completely lather and rinse all that codependency out of your psyche, right? Mm-hmm. What What's going to happen is you're going to soften your grip on it. Yeah, It's not going to be as tight now. You're going to be able to spot when you're falling into those patterns and make new choices mm-hmm. more quickly going forward than you did in the past. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's how I'm always like, you know, set your, set your expectations correctly.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I mean, you don't see clients one-on-one anymore, but you did in the past, right? Just as a therapist. Yes. Okay. So uh, how often mm-hmm. have you heard, I hear this all the time and I work specifically with eating disorders and body image so often what I hear is when is this going to be over how long is this going to take when is this not when are these voices going to go away all of this stuff I hear that all the time and I don't know they most likely will never fully go away you're going to be better able to respond to them and your like trueness of who you are and who you want to be is going to become bigger than that diseased self but I think so often we want it to be lathered and rinsed away. And I don't have experiences where that's ever really just been like healed. That would be really cool right. if we could do that. But that, I don't have that power. Right. Well,
2: you know, as you know, people in recovery, and I have a lot of personal experience with this, we go into treatment, uh, we come out, we have to continue going to meetings uh, mm-hmm. to, to meet with other addicts uh, or alcoholics or maybe it's an eating disorder group, mm-hmm. maybe you're in treatment for that, et cetera, et cetera, because the disease doesn't go away, Mm-mm. right? The disease doesn't go away. Y- you just live in a different relationship with it now. It's not running your life yeah. anymore. Yeah. By the way, I- I'm sure in your practice working with a lot of eating disorder people and tell me if i'm right about this you have a lot of enneagram ones
1: (laughs) i knew you're gonna say that i do but you know what i also think a lot of my clients might also because i don't ever tell them what they are because i'm not an expert in that i think a lot of them are mistyped as well but i do have a lot of ones and ones are they can be challenging to work with at times because they want it to be Mm -hmm. black and i mean they want it to be black and white which is why they develop this kind of addiction and it's also interesting for me as a seven, because I've struggled with my own eating disorder and in my stress level, I go to the unhealthy size of a one, which when I learned that That's I was right. like, oh, I always wondered why this is what I chose <laughs> <laughs> and it makes sense now. But yeah, which, exactly. which makes me even like... We're not going to go into it because it would be a whole other podcast, but addiction in the Enneagram is so fascinating to me because I hear so often that people are like, sevens are addicts, sevens are addicts, sevens are the most likely to be addicts. And I'm like, first of all, we are all addicted to something. And I don't see that as a a therapist. I don't see sevens as the most likely person to end up because I worked at a treatment center about an hour away from Nashville for a while. And when I started therapy and I would could never say the majority of clients were sevens. I think we all can gravitate toward addiction yeah. in our own stuff for different reasons.
2: That's true. I see all types of people in the rooms where they're working on their recovery. I think that certain numbers
1: are maybe a little bit more likely
2: set up for addictions than yeah. other types. Well, I wouldn't say likely, just more set up, mm-hmm. you know, but because I also believe, you know, in sort of a little bit of the medical model, I'd say that, you know, there's a genetic component here. Mm-hmm and an environmental mm-hmm. component here that will contribute to somebody being more likely to fall into either process addictions or chemical addictions. Yeah,
1: which again I, I could talk to you for a whole other hour on that and maybe yes, maybe in the future yes, we, could. we can and do I'd that. Be happy. Yeah, would,
2: I'd be happy to do that. I would it. love
1: to do that in the future but before we wrap this up, one I don't feel like, and I feel bad because I feel like these people get left out. There's two numbers we haven't even touched on really but fives. One, I don't know any fives. I'm, I know maybe two I th- that I know. So in my like vicinity, I definitely don't have close relationships with them. I don't know why that is. It might be a natural thing. It might be a me thing. But how are fives surviving this year? Has, has it been easy? Has it been more difficult?
2: Again, it all depends on the level of health. True.
1: Okay. Yes. It, yes, it yes, all yes, depends yes.
2: on the level of self-awareness of the type. I think you know, you're a a five in that sort of average range, you know, not super self-aware not, not super unself-aware, you know, being alone isn't real hard for fives, you know, being close to home isn't necessarily hard for fives. In fact, of all the types, they, they would find it the easiest. They tend to be introverted. They need a lot of time alone to recharge Mm -hmm. away from the demands of relationships that typically deplete them more than it does for other types. They love to research and gather knowledge. I, you know, at the beginning of COVID, I, mm-hmm. I met with a friend of mine. I mean, it had just been a month, you know, that from the time of the start of the, of the pandemic. And this guy knew more. I laughed. I said, you know more about COVID than Anthony Fauci now. <laughs> you, have done, you have done all the research. You have been out there reading, you know, all these obscure yeah. sources. And, you know, it's a little bit of a playground for fives, you know. Yeah. And I don't want to make that a blanket statement. But I do think that for those fives, let me put it this way, having to spend that time alone is just easier for them Yeah. than, let's say, for a two or other types that are more interpersonal than they are.
1: Yeah. So a five is going to be doing all this research just because it's available and it becomes, I guess somewhat and this could be an assumption it's interesting and it's the here and now and i can learn a lot about this thing six is going to be doing the research because they're freaked out how are eights responding to or in general respond to crisis because i think of them as like they're going to fix it but i don't know if that's they're going to tell me what to do and what i shouldn't do
2: well you know a true eight is kind of fearless oh
1: let's be nice Uh, and
2: (laughs) the danger the danger of that yeah is they think they think they're invincible oh they think they're bulletproof, and so that's a bit of a danger. Um, I'd say the the other thing about AIDS is they they're kind of they're kind of going to be sort of a little let down when when the, the they've they've had two kind of exciting things they've had an election yeah a very heated combative you know election oh, yeah and they've had covid and so, which has had a lot of politicization and other things i mean they love a little bit of a conflict and debate things may get a little cooler and they're going to be like a little bored <laughs> uh, because they, they don't have a lot to you know have an opinion about yeah. and be in conversation about it with people who may disagree with them yeah but I, I think that eights who have they have more energy than any other number on the enneagram so if they're beginning to feel overly constrained, or if they feel, this would be a hard thing for AIDS, that others are placing limitations on them, they are not going to like that. Yeah. So I will tell you a funny story about AIDS in the, in the pandemic. My mom is a very strong eight. Ooh. She's 90, she's 92 years old. And I said to her when the pandemic broke, I said, well, hey, mom, uh, have you just joking? I said, have you uh, do you have COVID, you know, or, or have you been attacked by COVID? And she goes, it wouldn't dare.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I thought,
2: well, that's an eight for you. <laughs> you
1: know? Oh, that's good. That's really good. You know, I one didn't know that they had the most energy, but I, I think that an eight along with me, the expectations of somebody like me, they're going stir crazy now especially because their energy can't be spent on the election and all of that stuff. They'll be walking
2: around the house working harder than just about anybody, you know, and grinding away. And, uh, you know, after a while, all of us need people. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. We are social creatures. I miss hugging people. Mm -hmm. I miss face to face time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other people miss other people for different reasons. But it doesn't matter what type you are. We are social creatures. Yeah. And we need each other. And so this is a season for empathy and for care. It's a season for understanding. I can't wait for everybody to get off the crazy political media stuff Mm. that they're doing at home, watching the news, scrolling through Twitter. I mean, this stuff is toxic. Watching conspiracy documentaries. Yes, and and we really need, we really need to become people who see other people as more complicated than their political position you know, we're, there's so much more to us than these things. Those are opinions. Mm-hmm. That's all they are. They're just opinions. They're not your identity. Yeah. And so we, we just need to learn. All of us need to learn how to be more human again.
1: Yeah. I think that's a even a, a great way to wrap this up is like all of us in some way are struggling in the end of this because of the fact that we were born to connect to people. Oh my yeah. gosh.
2: Absolutely. And when, next time, if we ever have a chance to talk again, we'll talk about addictions and that, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection. That's the, it's you are sobriety, my you are my people. Connection. Yes. Yes. That's, that's how important it is. We, we, uh, you know, particularly for people who have insecure attachments, you mm-hmm. know, we, we need to get out there and be together yeah. and form attachments to other people, healthy attachment. And uh, when we're not doing that, we're less than us.
1: Yeah. How do you uh, encourage people, no matter what their type is, to connect and grow in that attachment to the best we can in the times we're in because to me what Mm -hmm. i foresee i mean i'm not i don't know what i'm talking about when it comes to this but i foresee things getting worse right now in the time we're in It seemed like it was getting better and now it's like oh i'm about to go back to virtual therapy all of that so how do you suggest that we lean into connectedness and not so much into the scrolling through all of the dangers and dooms of the world that separate us
2: i go back to something i said earlier a little bit differently I think we need to work on our the attachment we have with ourselves. Yeah. We need to become get in more in touch with our own hearts, our own desires, to be grounded in them. Because if we do that, we'll be more prepared to go out into the world when the time comes mm-hmm. to to form healthy attachments with other people. Mm-hmm. But we first have to do it with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We we need to forge what I call unconditional self-friendship. Mm. If you do that, then you'll be more capable of other friendships with with other people you won't be if you don't have unconditional self-friendship you'll have a lot of trouble forging friendships and meaningful relationships with other people Mm -hmm.
1: I love that so you heard it here that's what we need to do moving into 2021 which could look like 2020 thank you for doing this Uh, yeah yeah you know the optimist in me is like it's gonna turn 2021 midnight's gonna happen COVID's gonna go away and we're gonna start over (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen, but that's what. Lean into your six. <laughs> lean into sixth. your six wing a little. <laughs> yeah, I need to do that. Temper that. Thank you for doing this. I really enjoyed it and learned a lot and would love to have another conversation about addiction I also my brain of course it's tiggering and thought um, I've been dying to have a conversation with somebody about just our own like attachments and relationships whether it be insecure secure avoidant whatever and our Enneagram number and if there's like a correlation with different numbers that would be fascinating do you ever do any worker conversations around that you know
2: I haven't but I'm always glad to get out there and process a lot yeah
1: I would love that that would be really cool for me. So thank you for doing this. And again, how can people find the True You series and how do they find you and your podcast, which is awesome?
2: Yeah. Okay. My podcast is called Typology, T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y. It's a podcast on which we explore the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I interview people of different types, which is mm-hmm. so much more powerful than me describing that mm-hmm. type to hear them uh, articulate what it's like to be them. Yeah in the world is incredibly powerful Uh, and you know just jump on wherever you you know get your podcast it's easy to find i have a test an enneagram assessment called ieq9 which if you go to my it is the most accurate enneagram assessment available it Gives either, a, depending on which one you get, a 22 or 44 page report specific to you and your type. I think we so linked that. Information. I think
1: we linked that last week when we did the Enneagram. I think we linked your test. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Thank so you we'll so much. We'll do it
2: again. Then, obviously, my book, The Road Back to mm-hmm. You, an and Enneagram Journey to Self Discovery. And then finally, you can get all that, sign up for my email list, uh, find the True You Course, on my website, which is Ian, I-A-N Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Cron, C-R-O-N.com.
1: Okay, awesome, thank you.
0: During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only one fifty nine installed with pad.
1: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and
0: 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
1: You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And...